You're listening to the Ollie at UNT podcast, recorded at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas, where we offer courses, events, and more for intellectually curious adults age 50 and better. To learn more about our program, please visit our website, olli.unt.edu. Now, let's join our host, Ollie at UNT member, Susan Supak, as she sits down for a conversation with one of the people who makes our program so special. This is Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas, known to most of us as Ollie. We have a real treat in store for us today because I have the opportunity to speak with Jordan Williams, the Ollie Communications Specialist. The melodious voice you hear at the beginning of the podcast belongs to none other than Jordan. And if you've had anything to do with the Ollie program at all, I'm sure Jordan has helped you out in some way. Jordan is an integral part of one of the most professional and helpful teams. I've ever had the pleasure of dealing with. Welcome, Jordan. Thank you, Susan. It's uh, great to be with you here today. It's exciting to have you here. You were the very first person that I ever communicated with when I excitedly first found out and discovered Ollie. And I was so impressed by how quickly you responded to my questions and the way you guided me through the whole process of membership and signing up for the classes. You have so many different talents. It makes me curious about your background. Were you born and raised in the Denton area? I was actually born in Atlanta, Georgia, but uh, my family moved here when I was two. So I've pretty much been uh, raised in the North Dallas area, in Richardson specifically. And where did you go to school? I got two degrees from the University of North Texas right here. Oh, that's exciting. So you are a UNT alum. Absolutely. You have a bachelor's and a master's degree. What was your field of study? Uh, And my bachelor's degree is in English, and I had a concentration in creative writing, so I did a lot of creative writing workshops. And my master's degree is in literature. Do you find that your education has been helpful in the things that you do for Ollie? It definitely has been, and it's not necessarily an obvious connection from literature to a program like this. But the process, especially in graduate school, of learning refining the ways that I express myself in writing has definitely translated to drafting emails, for example, for events that have a lot of moving parts and specific instructions that members need to know. And I definitely feel that revising and writing multiple drafts of essays in graduate school helps me think through the process of cutting out unnecessary language and writing as clearly as possible. You put the catalog together as well, don't you? That is true, yes. Uh, So especially in the last couple of years when I've become the communication specialist officially, I've started to work more on designing our catalogs, which is a relatively new development for the program. We used to just have printed out sheets of paper, not a designed catalog. So that definitely taps into more of my creative side, which has been a lot of new skills added on, especially graphic designing. But it's kind of the same idea thinking about what words are important, who my audience is when I'm writing a a description of a course or an event that we're doing especially, or just what sort of image and content we want to convey to the public at large. A lot of these materials are used as recruiting tools. Members will give a catalog to a friend, and that's the first encounter they may have with Ollie. And so thinking about what we want to communicate definitely ties back to when I used to write essays and think, what do I want to communicate to my reader or my professor? 
I love the layout of the catalogs, by the way. They are just really nicely done. They're very easy to read. They're very simple to follow. They're not busy and all crazy all over the place like some things can be when they're put together. They're really nicely laid out, very very easy to follow. How long have you been part of the Ali staff? I've been with this department since the fall of 2009, so I'm actually coming up on 10 years this year. Hey, happy anniversary. Thank you. you. (laughs) We'll have to have a party. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, definitely celebrate. Has your job changed much over those 10 years? It really has. Right when I started in 2009, the program was called the Emeritus College at that time, and it had just been going, I think it had only been gone for a semester when I started. But at that time, our department also was the conference and camps event planning department on campus. A lot of my initial job, I started in just a basic administrative assistant position, pretty quickly moved to registration, sort of a registrar for conferences. So a lot of the work I did was creating registration databases, which I still do a little bit for, or quite a bit actually for Ollie, but designing registration forms for conferences and communicating with attendees for academic conferences. That involved a lot of different types of communications because we had multiple events going on at the same time that I had to control and had to learn a lot about databases, which I didn't really know anything about before. So that on-the-job training on is the, the best training. there exactly. is. <laughs> exactly. And I was exposed to a lot of different fields early on before really the lifelong learning program got to be as robust as it is now. The conferences we were doing were everything from higher education law conferences to chemistry society educator conferences. We did one event that I made a registration database for that was the Larval Fish Conference. Um, well, that's so, interesting. Yeah, we had a little bit of everything. Did you have a lot of larval fish attendees? I, I don't think so, but <laughs> apparently there, there were enough attendees of people who specialized in researching larval fish that it just sort of opened my mind, even after having been in a university setting as a student, you still don't always have a full scope of what all people are researching. And so that's definitely translated to Ollie, where at this point, we're kind of the same way. We have a little bit of everything in terms of our curriculum. So I'm sure a lot of those skills that you did when you first started probably do come into play now, don't they, in some way or another? Absolutely, especially dealing with our members' requests and questions they may have. Working on different conferences, it's sometimes they were international conferences, so you might have non-native English speakers, really gave me a lot of experience in, first of all, understanding how to craft documents to have as much uh, understandability for a wide audience as possible. But also understanding that once you put a document out there, as clear as it can possibly be, you're always going to have people who have different perspectives, have different questions that you couldn't have known in advance. And you have to reach people where they are and sort of understand where they're coming from. And that definitely translates to, to working with our members. And they might have questions about our program that I didn't think about when I was creating the catalog, but I'm happy to help them when they reach out to us. And you do. You do a good job. Having been one of those people, I can say that. I read that you wrote book reviews for American Micro Reviews and Interviews. That is an absolutely fascinating site that I didn't know even existed until I heard about your involvement with it. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, I actually wasn't aware of that when it first started either, even though it involved a lot of my fellow uh, students in the English department here. I was actually working a conference, and one of my classmates was attending the conference. It was a journalism conference for UNT, and he told me about it and put me in contact with the people who were running it. So it was founded by an alumni of UNT, of of the English department here, actually a a pretty accomplished poet. The site offers micro-reviews, which are basically designed to be seven to ten sentences. Sometimes they're a little bit longer than that. 
reviews of books written by American authors within the last year. So the really innovative thing that they do is offer, obviously, the shorter format, which was kind of a challenge to me at times. And I often didn't meet it because some books, it's really hard to sum up in such a brief length. What was your process like with that? It was kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier, refining what is really the most important thing to convey. And when you're whittling something down to that short of a review, you really are cutting out all of the fat. So it was very different from the kind of review I would write in a graduate level class, which is going to be pages and pages of analysis, and just really getting at what's the heart of what the piece that you just read, what was your, the heart of it, and what was your main takeaway. And a lot of times I, I got to you know, 15 or 20 sentences, but they were still all much shorter than I would have initially written. That usually abbreviating what you're writing helps to clarify if you're doing it right. It's such an important skill, being able to speak clearly and concisely and write clearly and concisely. Personally, I find even when I'm reading a book, I think most books, I you could probably take the last hundred pages out. <laughs> there is nothing more frustrating as a graduate student, I remember, than reading an essay and maybe really enjoying the essay, but feeling like the same point was getting uh, emphasized over and over again. And it's, it makes your writing seem much slower and difficult to, to get through. I understand that we're going to benefit from your involvement with American micro reviews and interviews this summer. Yes. One of the great things about uh, the time I spent at that site was that they would really allow me to try out new different kinds of books that I didn't necessarily have experience or a background in. And one of those books turned out to be The Q by an author named Basma Abdel Aziz. She's an Egyptian writer and an activist who was very active during the Arab Spring. And actually, mm. before the Arab Spring as well, she um, was a psychologist by training and worked with victims of torture and police brutality in that country. And out of those experiences, she wrote this dystopian novel about an unnamed Middle Eastern country that features a group of people who, for various different reasons, are seeking something from their government and the process that's been established is they have to wait in a queue leading up to uh, what they call the gate. And so all these people with different stories are in the queue kind of talking to each other about their expectations that the gate is going to open soon and fulfill their requests. So it was a very, very evocative and provocative novel that I really enjoyed reviewing. And so this summer, I'm going to be leading a group discussion of that book. So anybody who's listening to this is getting a little sneak preview. And if they want to go out and get the queue and start reading early they'll be ready for that course when it's offered this summer. I plan to give you my vacation schedule, Jordan, so uh, you don't lock that course schedule in yet. <laughs> no, I am kidding, but it does sound definitely like the kind of course that I would enjoy. You're involved in so many aspects of Ollie. Can you give us a description of what your normal routine entails? Yes. So uh, fortunately, just recently, we brought on Renee Smith, who's our new office support associate. So she is really helping a lot of members on the phone and, and responding to emails. I still do quite a bit of that, but she really helps out by taking care of signing people up for classes, answering basic questions about, you know, what time does this class meet, that kind of thing. But email communication is a big part of what I do. I sometimes spend up to an hour drafting an email, going through, making sure all the details are correct, especially for events that we're doing where we have to make sure people going to meet a bus at a specific time and, and that sort of thing. So that's one aspect of the communication. The catalog that we brought up earlier is another, which involves graphic design as well. I've actually learned a lot about the Adobe suite of tools working on those catalogs. I also design our registration forms and our enrollment forms. 
and our marketing materials, so our brochures that you see. Nice work. Thank you, yeah. That's obviously another exercise in being concise because you have less space to try to communicate. It's really a lot of information in terms of what goes on in the program. So I also do our social media sites, which is primarily Facebook. Um, I think that's where most of our members who use social media are on Facebook. We do have a Twitter account as well. Do you find, given your membership is over 50, do you find a lot of people I would imagine might be involved in Facebook? Do you find they're involved in Twitter? Twitter, not so much. Yeah, the university is actually very big on Twitter. Most departments have a Twitter account. So that's really good for allowing us to stay in contact with you know, the history department, for example, or the president's office. They'll, he will tweet often and we'll retweet him or, or that sort of thing. But our members are primarily on Facebook. We have uh, over a couple hundred followers on Facebook and I think that our members do appreciate being able to see in their news feeds uh, you know, reminders of events that are coming up and things of that nature. We probably need a Twitter class. <laughs> that would be good. I, yeah, maybe we could get one of our undergraduate students to Yeah, exactly. I, I don't That's even know good. anything about Twitter. But or get someone should. from the local high school. There you go. Well, the Ollie program, the it seems to constantly be evolving and adding new and innovative programming and opportunities. It's really amazing to see what you all come up with each semester. I'm very excited to open up that new catalog every semester. I can't wait for you to finish with this one. And uh, I can enjoy seeing what you have come up with and the rest of the staff. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Jordan, I understand you're the department's primary liaison for the UNT Retiree Association. What does liaisoning with the UNT Retiree Association entail? Yes, so that is the other program that is housed under our department here. So the UNT Retiree Association is essentially what it sounds like. It's primarily a, a way for retirees of the university to stay in contact with each other. They will sometimes attend Ollie events. They'll also invite Ollie members to their events. But they also do things like academic updates at UNT, where they'll go to a particular department. This spring, for example, they went to the media arts department and got a tour of what they do there, saw a studio where they film the UNT you know, news broadcast and things like that. So they'll stay up to date on what's going on at the university, as well as having just various social events. They have a holiday potluck each year. They have a brunch with the president every year where he updates them about what's going on at the university a board that does a lot of the heavy lifting of their events. So I really sort of help them out because I am an active staff member here. There are certain things that I can do that as retirees, they no longer have access to. It's a very rewarding part of what I do, but I really just sort of help them. That's great. They have you as a resource. Absolutely. Jordan, you're a man of many talents. I happen to remember asking you one time when you had put the lead in on the podcast, and it was so incredibly well done. I said, Jordan, is there anything that you don't do amazingly well? And you had some sort of a funny answer. But I happen to know that one of the things you do is music. What instrument do you play? I primarily play the bass guitar. I have a little bit of background in, more than a little bit, in string bass as well, which I played in in school. And I've taken some piano lessons, but primarily bass guitar, yeah. And what kind of music do you like to play? Um, I love to play R&B. I enjoy listening to jazz. I'm not as good at playing it. It's a little bit more challenging, but R&B is one of my favorite genres, and and especially funk music uh, on the bass guitar in particular. But I played in church growing up, so I played a lot of gospel music. For a while, I played everything but country, but I actually did get a chance to sit in with a country artist locally, Eli Howard, who's got a great voice. So I played a couple of gigs with him. But I've done rock, top 40 music that's on the radio, that sort of thing. 
Would we have an opportunity to hear you play now? Anything in the area? Are you doing anything right now? I don't play as many gigs as I used to. I used to get quite a bit in my 20s, especially. But when I do play, it's usually backing up a group called Nidiva Loca, which I like to brag about. Two vocalists, Mel and Laura, are the, the heart and soul of that project. And whenever they do a full band, they'll often give me a call to, to come in and play bass. And recently, they were actually selected as part of Team USA for the World Karaoke Championships. Wow. And they got to travel to Helsinki, Finland, Ooh. where they won bronze. Oh, I'm impressed. So you get That's... a chance to see me, Diva Loka, perform. They do primarily in Dallas. Uh, I definitely highly recommend it. Definitely. We'll look and see where they're playing. That sounds exciting. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that I haven't thought of to ask you? I'll just say that I really do find my work with Ollie in particular very rewarding, meeting the members, getting to know them, being around a program where I get to overhear interesting lessons from the classroom, and just really meeting a lot of accomplished people who, the longer I know them, the more I learn things about them that surprises and impresses me. And I, I realize that I'm fortunate to have a job that puts me in contact with that on a regular basis. It's really an exciting group of people that... Ali brings in both the instructors, the members, everyone that's brought into the orbit of Ali. They're very interesting people. Thank you, Jordan. It's been wonderful learning more about you and having the opportunity to thank you for all the help you've given me on setting up and posting the podcast, as well as in participating in the Ali experiences of classes and events. This has been Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas with Ollie Communications Specialist Jordan Williams. Thanks so much for listening.